Heavenly Father, we come before you recognising that all of your word is trustworthy. So we ask that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust in your word now and to live according to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning is a special occasion as we have the induction of Ben as a deacon at Dremoyne Baptist Church. And so the passage that we're looking at today is Psalm 84, which I chose for this occasion in particular. And it is a psalm that speaks of the loveliness of God's place. It is a a psalm that speaks of the delight that the psalmist has in the place of God, in God's dwelling place. How do we know this? Well, if you look with me at verse 1, you see the way that the psalmist describes the dwelling place of the Lord. In verse 1 it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. The psalmist is making much of the dwelling place of the Lord, which of course is, uh, and this time it would have been uh, the tent of meeting, where the place of the tabernacle was, uh, where God was dwelling over the Ark of the Covenant. But of course in later times it would come to be the temple that Solomon built, David's son, uh, that this is a, a place where God would dwell. And he describes it not only as lovely, we see that he delights in it by the way that he describes that he, his feelings towards this dwelling place of the Lord. And we see that in verse 2. Verse 2, how do we see that the dwelling place of God is lovely? Well, he says in verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. His soul yearns for the dwelling place of the Lord. But how else do we see that he delights in the dwelling place of the Lord? Well, later on in the psalm, we see the way that he describes uh, the, the, the feelings within his heart in comparison to other places. We see in verse 10, uh, verse 10 of Psalm 84, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist considers that it's better to be one day in the courts of God than it is to be a thousand elsewhere. And also in verse 10, we see another way that he shows his affection for the house of God by saying, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Was he expressing here? Well, he's expressing that he would rather be just inside the doorway in some way than to live inside the tents of the wicked. This word doorkeeper is actually a very unusual word. Uh, It's the only time it's actually used in the whole of the Old Testament, this Hebrew word. Uh, And so it can be translated in such a way that it's the the guards at the door. So there were temple guards that would be there at the doorway of the house of the Lord. Or it could be a reference to someone who's a beggar at the doorway of God, uh, of God's house, that he is allowed just inside the door and he's not really allowed much further because of who he is and that people may push him out to the fringes because of his social standing. And so there's this sense that I would just be, I'd I'd like to just be inside the door. If I can just be there, I would have this contentment as opposed to dwelling inside the tents of the wicked. So we see how the psalmist expresses in so many ways within this psalm of his delight in the house of the Lord, in God's dwelling place. But why does he long to be in God's dwelling place? Why does he want to be in the dwelling place of God? Well, it's because God dwells in his house. God dwells in his house. And we see this is the concern of his in verse 2. He says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. So he longs for the courts of God. But what does he say in the second half of verse 2? He says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. What is his ultimate concern? Not just be in God's house, but to be in the presence of the living God. Because God dwells in his dwelling place. His heart and flesh cry out for the living God. But who is it that God, who is God 
that the psalmist should desire to be in his presence, that he would want to be in God's house. Why does he love God so much that he wants to spend one day in God's presence as opposed to a thousand elsewhere? Why would he love God so much? Well, the psalmist tells us reasons why he loves the Lord, what God does, and so therefore he loves the Lord and wants to be in his presence. And we see in verse 4 that he considers God one who blesses. We see in verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Probably a reference to those who uh, do the priestly work in the house of the Lord. They get to live there. They get to go about the business of the Lord, making sure that the sacrifices are made, that the the fires are lit, the candles don't go out. Uh, They have this dwelling within the house of the Lord. And they are people who are blessed. They are happy people because God blesses them. And he also says that God is a sun and a shield in verse 11. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and and shield. The Lord is someone who brings brightness to people's life and he protects them from those who would harm them. And this is why the psalmist wants to be in God's presence. He wants to be with God because God is a sun and a shield for his people. And it's not only that he is a sun and a shield. We also read in verse 11 that he bestows favor and honor. See with me in verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. The Lord blesses his people truly by giving them favor and honor. And he also doesn't withhold anything good. And we see that in verse 11 as well. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. So here we see many reasons why the psalmist delights in the dwelling place of God, because God is there and God is someone who blesses. He is a son. He is a shield. He is one who bestows favor, who gives honor. He is one who doesn't withhold any good thing. And so therefore the psalmist, of course, wants to be in the presence of God. He'd much rather be there one day than a thousand elsewhere. He'd much rather be where the sun and the shield is, the one bestowing favour and blessing and protection and honour and glory. That's where he would rather be. But does God bless everyone who goes into his house, who is in his presence? Well, no. Just entering the house of God doesn't mean that you are blessed by God. Who is it that God blesses? Who is the one that he protects and is a shield for? Well, we see the answer given in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk into his house. No, from those whose walk is blameless. It is those who are blameless that the Lord blesses, the Lord shows favour to, that the Lord protects. And we see another Uh, way that these people are described in verse 12. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who walks into your house. No, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Those who are blessed by God are people who trust in God. Those who are given favour by God and protected by God are those who trust God. It is not enough to walk into the temple of the Lord to be blessed by him. It is those who trust in him who are blameless before him. So how is this a helpful psalm for us today? How is this a helpful psalm for us today? After all, hasn't the tent of meeting been destroyed? The tent of meeting that David would have known has been destroyed many years ago. And hasn't the temple which his son Solomon built, wasn't that destroyed? And then, of course, the rebuilding of it that took place under Ezra. 
Hasn't that then been destroyed in 70 AD, almost 2,000 years ago? That temple, that physical temple was destroyed. So there is no longer a house for the Lord, is there? And so this really has no relevance to us today, Psalm 84, because the temple of the Lord is no longer there. God's dwelling place has been removed. No, it still has relevance today for us today because God still has a house. What is God's house today? Well, he has a spiritual house where he dwells. He dwells. What is that house? Well, we're told that God is building a house in the scriptures. We're told in the scriptures that he is building a house by using his people as living stones to build his house. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter, writing in 1 Peter, tells us that God is building a spiritual house using God's people as living stones. So what happens when God's people gather on Sundays? What happens when God's people gather in Bible studies together? What happens when they gather for catch-ups with one another? Well, people are in God's house. As his people gather, as they church, that's what the word church means, it means to be called out to a gathering of people. As they church together, they are in God's house. And what does that then mean if they are in God's house? Well, God is present with them. Why is it God's house? It's because that's where God dwells. And so when God's people come together, when they gather, God is there amongst them. He is there present, dwelling amongst them. How is that possible? Well, it's by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and following says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, speaking to the church in Ephesus, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So tremendous truth given to us in scriptures, that God is building a house with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, with the apostles and prophets built upon him, and then we're built upon them. And God dwells in that house by his spirit. And Jesus teaches something similar in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where he says, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Tremendous truth that Jesus says that where two or three of his people come together, he is there especially present amongst his people as they gather in his name. So what do we do when we gather like this on Sunday? What are we doing right now? Are we walking into something that's like going to a uni lecture at a university? You sit there? No, we're coming to worship God in his presence. This is different from other occasions where we come and we gather with people and we hear about different matters. This is very different because we are coming into God's house when we gather with his people. He is especially present with his people and we are in his presence and therefore we come not for our own sake per se, but we come to worship him and to give him the glory that he deserves. 
And why would we want to do that? Why would we want to be in God's house, to be in God's special presence, to be in the presence of Jesus Christ himself by the Holy Spirit? Why would we want to do that? Well, the psalmist told us, didn't he? He said that in God's presence, there is blessing, there is protection, there is favour, and of course there is joy then. That's what it means to be blessed. And you can translate the word blessing as happy. Happy is the person who is blessed by God, who is in God's presence. But does anyone who walks in to a gathering of God's people experience these blessings, the favour of God, the protection of God, the joy of God? The answer is no. People come into gatherings of God's people all the time and they do not experience the blessing of God. They do not know the fullness of joy that is in his presence. And why is that? Because, as the psalmist said, it is only the blameless that God blesses. It is only the blameless that God doesn't withhold any good thing from. But as soon as we read that in verse 11, that it's only those whose walk is blameless, there should be a fear within our hearts. And we should wonder, doesn't this then mean it's impossible for any of us to be blessed by God? What do I mean? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, we recognise that none of us have been blameless that none of us have kept God's laws according to the way that he has prescribed, the way that he has commanded. We are blameful, not blameless, because of our sins against the holy God. But there is a way to be blameless. There is a way to have God's blessing. There is a way to have his favour and his protection. How is that? Well, the psalm told us, didn't it? What did it say in verse 12? After saying that it's those whose walk is blameless that are favoured by God. What does it say in verse 12? O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And there's a hint given at the end of the psalm as to how we can be blessed, how we can be happy in the presence of God. It is by trust. It is by faith in God. How is it possible that trusting in God would allow us to be blessed by him as people who are then blameless when we've sinned against him. Well, there was one person who's walked the face of this earth who was blameless, who never sinned against God, who never broke his laws. Who was that? It was Jesus Christ. Now, how is it helpful for sinners like us to know this, to know about the Lord Jesus Christ and that he was blameless, not blameful as we are? Well, it's because if we trust in Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us, if we trust in Jesus Christ, we're declared blameless and then placed within his house, placed within God's house on Jesus Christ as that cornerstone. That's what we saw in 1 Peter and in Ephesians, that it's as we come to Christ, the chief cornerstone, that therefore we can be part of God's house, that we can be blameless before him. Now, how is it possible? Well, it's because Christ died in our place, if we trust in him. As we trust in Christ Jesus, he bears the penalty for our sins. By faith, he dies the death that we deserve. Not that he deserved because he was blameless, but he died the death that we deserve if we trust in him. And so his blood then shields us from our enemies. What enemies do we have? Well, a great enemy that we have, we have many enemies, but a great enemy that we have is Satan. And why is he such a great enemy? Because he stands before God and accuses us of being sinful. And therefore we deserve death and condemnation for all of eternity in hell. But if Christ has died for us, 
then his blood shields us. We are in his presence and we are protected and shielded. And so therefore, we do not have to fear Satan and his accusations because our sins have been paid for in the precious blood of Christ. So who is a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, a Christian is one who longs to be in God's house, as we see in Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is such a good description of what a Christian looks like. He's someone who longs to be in God's house, in God's presence. Someone who wants to be a priest, who gets to live in the house of God at all times, serving and praising him, as we saw in verse 4. A Christian is someone who would rather spend one day in God's presence than a thousand elsewhere, as we saw in verse 10. What else does it mean to be a Christian? Well, a Christian is someone who'd rather be in God's doorway, just inside, amongst the people of God, rather than dwell in the tents of the wicked, as we saw in verse 10. And why is a Christian desiring to be in the presence of God in this way? Because the Christian recognises that in God's house, God is present and God is the one who favours believers favors those who trust in him and gives his blessing to them and so what has a christian done the christian is someone who has trusted in jesus and has entered god's house by the blood of christ jesus how does he do this by gathering with god's people by doing what many of you are doing this morning coming and being in the presence of god that is what the christian does he loves to be with god's people because there god is especially present And so he desires to be there and comes in as he is one who trusts in Christ. And what else does he do? Well, he serves in God's house. He looks for ways that he can serve. Why does he do that? Well, so that people can be added to God's house, so that others can be added as living stones to God's house. And why else does he serve? It's to help those who are coming into God's house to enjoy being in the presence of God, to enjoy the blessing and the favour and the protection that God gives to his people as they come and gather in his name. But what else does a Christian do? He's someone who desires to be in the presence of God amongst God's people. He desires to serve amongst God's people. What else does he do? Well, he longs to be in another place. Even as much as he loves being amongst God's people, he longs to be in another place. Where is that? Heaven itself. Why? Because that is the dwelling place of God, truly. How is heaven greater than gathering here this morning with God's people? For many of you, it's a great joy. It's the highlight of your week to come amongst the people of God. You yearn to be here, and so you're here. Why would you want to be anywhere else? Well, in heaven... Jesus is present physically. He's present spiritually amongst us this morning, but he is there and his people see him face to face. And in heaven, the protection of God, the shielding of God is all the more present. We're shielded from all our enemies. We still experience harm from our enemies in this world. Even as we gather in God's name, people come into gatherings of God's people and harm them. But in heaven, we are protected, we are shielded by God. And he blesses his people with abundant good things. No good thing does he withhold from his people in heaven. 
And we read this in the book of Revelation. We read wonderful descriptions of heaven in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 says, the, the apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, further on in the passage, it says, I, do not see a, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is the dwelling place of God. That is the place that the Christian still longs to be. He loves being amongst God's people because God is especially present there. But he looks forward to being in the heavenly places, to being with God himself. So how is the Christian actually illustrated here in Psalm 84? What is the picture that is given us of what it means to be a Christian? Well... There's a nice little illustration given for us in verse 3 of a little bird that rests in, the God's, in God's place. Look with me at verse 3. The psalmist says, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. What type of bird is described here as dwelling in God's place? Is it a king parrot in his splendour? No, it's a little sparrow. A little sparrow. And what's a sparrow? Well, it's the lowest of the low when it comes to birds. How do we know this? Well, experience teaches us it. We see that sparrows are very common, not so much here, uh, but in other parts of the world, and particularly in England, little sparrows are very, very common. And, of course, the Scriptures teach us this as well. The passage that we had read before for us from Luke chapter 12, where Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? They're barely worth anything. You have to get five of them to get any value for them. But what has that small little bird found? That bird has found a place near the altar of God. Whose altar? It's the altar of God, the Lord Almighty, my King and my God, we see in verse 3. A place near your altar. The word Lord Almighty, uh, the actual translation of that, the Hebrew means Lord of hosts, Lord of our heavenly armies, Lord of the angelic armies. That is where this little bird has found a place to live. In the Lord Almighty's house, close to his altar. And so what's the bird's state? as he lives in this house? Well, it's one of security and joy. Why? Because he's shielded from his enemies. Who's the enemy? Well, the little sparrow has many enemies. One enemy that birds are all very much aware of is cats. And there's a great cat, isn't there? Lion. That loves to snack on sparrows. 
But what happens as he lives in the house of the Lord, as he found a little place in the temple of God to build his nest, he flourishes and helps others reside there in the temple. He raises his young in God's house, as we see in verse 3. It says, uh, speaking of a swallow, a swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A wonderful illustration of what it means to be a Christian. A little sparrow finding a place to make a nest in the house of God. And this is what has happened to Ben, who's being inducted as a deacon at our church today. In our gathering of God's people in the Lord's house today, he's being inducted as a deacon. How so? Well, Ben saw that God's house is lovely. What else did Ben do? He yearned to be in the courts of the Lord, as the psalmist said so many years ago. And what would Ben rather do? He would rather spend one day in the courts of the Lord, amongst God's people, than to spend a thousand elsewhere. You see this with Ben. He delights in being amongst God's people. I think he'd like us to open the doors seven days a week. He delights in being here. What would Ben rather be? A doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Just be able to be on the edge of the gathering of God's people than to dwell inside the tents of the wicked. And why does Ben feel this way? It's because Ben has seen that in God's presence is great blessing, is happiness, is protection, is favour, is glory, is fullness of joy. That in God's presence, amongst God's people, he experiences a joy like nowhere else. And so what has Ben done? He's entered into God's presence. How has he been able to do this? How is he able to experience the blessing of God? After all, isn't Ben like us? He is blameful, not blameless. We're all worthless like sparrows. We're even worse than sparrows in one sense because a sparrow never sins against his maker, whereas we have. But what has Ben done? Well, he has trusted. Trusted in who? Trusted in God. Trusted in Christ Jesus. Trusted that Christ Jesus has taken the penalty that he deserves. Trust that Christ Jesus is the sparrow that was torn by the lion so that he would never be torn by the lion, that he would never have to die the death that he deserves for his sin. And so Ben joyfully gathers with God's people to praise God by the power of the Holy Spirit amongst his people. And what else does Ben do? Well, Ben likes to make nests for others, to nest here amongst God's people. What's a deacon after all? A deacon is someone who helps others Helps others. That's what the word actually means, to be a servant to others. And that's what Ben loves to do. He loves to help others to live in the presence of God. As they come into God's presence with God's people, he wants to make it as easy as possible and as helpful as possible for them to know what it is to be in the presence of God and to know the blessing of God. And that's why he was happy for us when we asked him to become a deacon at first, he was reluctant, knowing how blameful he is, how much of a sinner he is. But in the end, he was willing to do so. Because why? He wants to help others. He wants to be used more widely in the church to help others to dwell in God's presence and experience God's favour. And so the question then is, we've spoken about Ben, but has this happened to you? Have you seen the loveliness of God and yearned for it? Have you seen the loveliness of God in his presence amongst his people? Would you rather spend a day in God's presence than a thousand elsewhere? Would you rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, in the presence of God, than to 
live in the tents of the wicked? If the answer is no, why is that? Why do you not want to do this? Why do you not want to experience the blessing and favour and protection and honour that God gives and the joy? Why would you not want to enter into God's faith, into God's house? Is it because you haven't seen the loveliness of God? You haven't seen the honour, the joy, the blessing, the protection, the favour that he gives to those around him. Won't you yearn for God's house? Won't you be someone who joyfully gathers with God's people to praise God and to enjoy his favour and the protection that he gives from the great cat, Satan himself? Don't you want to be someone who helps others dwell in God's church too? You don't need to be a deacon to help others to nest amongst the God's people. You can help others. Do you? And do you do all of this? Are you someone who yearns for God's place, but also at the same time yearns for heaven, yearns for God's presence eternally? If this is not you, why is that? It's because you don't see the loveliness of God and you don't see the benefit of being in God's presence and you don't fear the cat. You don't fear Satan as you should. He is a terrible, terrible foe. He has brought many people to the grave and now they spend an eternity in hell. If you do not desire to be in God's presence, to be in God's house, it's because ultimately you do not fear the cat and you do not see the loveliness of God. Don't be so foolish. Why is it foolish? Because dumb animals put sinners to shame who do not want to be in God's house. What do I mean? Well, we see in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. What's Isaiah saying? The ox knows who his master is. The donkey knows his owner's manger. He knows where food comes and he goes and gets that food. But my people do not understand. They're not seeking me out as they should. Even here in the psalm, we see a bird's brain is wiser than sinful humans who do not want to be in God's house, who do not want to be with God's people. Don't let a bird's brain be better than your brain. A brain that thinks that eating insects is a good thing. Don't be so foolish. Repent. How? Repent by turning from your sins and seeing the loveliness of God and fearing Satan and the danger that he brings. And then long for the blessing and security that only God gives from that great cat who's wanting to snack on sparrows like you. And then what? Well, trust in Christ Jesus. Trust in Christ, the meekest sparrow that ever walked the face of this earth, but was torn by the cat on your behalf so that you would not be torn for all eternity. And then make your nest amongst the people of God and enjoy his blessing, protection, favour and honour. And then what should you do? Well, start serving him, serving your Lord, praising him better than any sparrow's tweets can give in the temple of God. Praising him, making joyful noise to the Lord. And what else? Help others to make nests. Help others to make nests within God's house. Facilitate them being in the presence of God in whatever way you can. And what else? 
while all the while longing for that heavenly dwelling place of God to be there. There's a dissatisfaction that should rest and be a part of every human heart, every Christian's heart, that they yearn to be in that heavenly home and to be with Jesus Christ and see him face to face. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the Lord Almighty. You are a sun and a shield to your people. Oh Lord, we confess that we have sinned and we are blameful and we do not deserve to be in your presence. But we thank you for sacrificing your son, Jesus Christ, on the altar so that we are blameless by faith in him. Oh Lord, we ask that you would help us to be like the psalmist of so many years ago, that we would delight in the dwelling place of God because there you dwell. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us by your spirit to gather with your people, to rejoice in your presence, all the while longing for heaven. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is not part of your house, who is not part of the living stones that make up your building, oh Lord, we pray that they would see the danger that they're in, that there is a roaring lion that is prowling and seeking to devour them. And Lord, we pray that they would see your loveliness see the protection that you give, your favour, your blessing that you pour out upon those who trust in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that they would trust in Christ now and know the forgiveness of sins and know what it is to experience the blessing and joy of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.